song. Give it up for the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail, the Chapel Scotts Edition. Love you guys. Thank you for being with us today. Hey, high five somebody and you can be seated. High five somebody and you can be seated. Well, we're in a series called By Your Spirit, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute, but want to look in the back of the room and say good morning to the Chapel Scott's edition, and uh, also want to give a shout out to the chapel in the lobby. Come on, lobby, come on, wave at me. Love you guys, and uh, hey, I just want to let you know a couple things. Man, uh, the last two months have been incredible at the response of uh, generosity from the church is where we are pressing forward as fast as we can to build a new space, and so you're going to be seeing that in just the next few months, but your initial uh, burst of generosity has been amazing, and it's letting us really move forward with that project. So I'm, I say all that to say, if you don't want to sit in the lobby, help us out, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so, uh, but thank you for that. We're so excited about that, and thanks for your patience and flexibility. We're even dreaming of something a little bit, a little bit creative this fall, so we're going to figure this thing out uh, to make space for people as we begin our our expansion project, but thank you for being with us on on Mother's Day. What a great weekend to be uh, to be together, and God's doing so much. Like you saw in the video, we have motion con- uh, motion service for our students. But this summer, we're doing something we've never done before called Motion Conference, and it's three days designed to get our students in the presence of God. How many know God can do what we can't do? And it's right before school, and so it's strategically placed. And, Something we've never done before, so that the cost is pretty reasonable. And but if the cost holds anyone back, you just let us know. We'll we'll scholarship students there. But three day experience right at the end of July, uh, leading into August, we believe God's going to do incredible things in uh, in our students and young adults in the life of our church. Well, um, well, I wanted to show you a picture that is. Um, this was the picture that was marked uh, picture of the year last year. And uh, it's, a, it's a picture by neurologist Rebecca Sachs. And it presents one of the, it was actually picked most beautiful picture of the year last year. And it's the image of an MRI captured when a mother kisses her two-month-old son. And uh, as lips are placed on the, on the head of the child, it immediately, you can see, causes a reaction in, in the brain. And dopamine is released and, and, and called the love hormone there, responsible for affection and attachment between moms and kids. And it causes this chemical reaction in the child's brain that doctors tell us re- reduces fear and increases confidence and provokes feelings of affection and attachment, a a, a sign that the baby understood that it's protected. How many know the miracle of life and the miracle of creation? And uh, and in fact, vasopressin, the glue that connects mothers to babies in their very first months of life and serotonin are released and regulates the mood. There's just power in in a mother's kiss. And so I say all that to say, get a hug from your mom. You'll feel better, right? And, uh, but you know, the same thing that we need humanly, we need not only a, a close connection in relationships to one another, but we need a close connection to God. How many know that's true, right? And so we've been in this series called By Your Spirit, and you can catch up the last couple of weeks online, but it, it's, it's to remind us that the Holy Spirit isn't weird or strange. It's, it's God's presence living on the inside of us, and it's, it's God come to be close to us. This is kind of one of the theme thoughts of the series. The Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us, right? 
And, and we say that because Jesus actually said that. Jesus said, it's better for you if I leave, because if I leave, I'm going to send another comforter who's going to come and be in you and live on the inside of you and be close to you. How many know Jesus on this earth only lived 33 years and could only be in one place? But how many know the Holy Spirit can go home with all of us, right? And so, so God, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence, our, our best friend, a relational God who can live on the inside of us. And and somebody actually uh, uh, asked me in this series, well, talk to me about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I know the Holy Spirit's big in the New Testament, but where is he in the Old Testament? And that kind of got my wheels turning, and I wanted to address that question. Because I don't know if you know this, but the Holy Spirit is God, and he's been around as long as God has. And the Holy Spirit's not a New Testament thing, and so I want to teach you this principle in the Bible. It's called the law of first mention. And this means whenever something's said in Scripture for the first time, it often sets a boundary, a pattern, a, a, rep, a repetitive thought that, that is designed by God to really get our attention and, and, and really set the tone, the law of first mention in Scripture. And I don't know if you know this, but the first couple chapters of the Bible actually teach us so much. It teaches us about creation and sin and redemption and God's plan for the family. I mean, you could just live in Genesis 1 to 3 and get about 80% of what God wants to tell us because of this principle, the law of the first mention. So you say, well, pastor, show me where the Holy Spirit shows up in, in the Bible. Well, and because you asked that great question, <laughs> I want to answer it for you, okay? So let me show you right at the very beginning. Come on, somebody help me out in the what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me just pause and say, life makes more sense when it begins with God. Anybody believe that? In the beginning, God, meaning you and I need to put him first in our life, first in our families, first in our community, and fit the other pieces of life around it. But how many know God needs to be central in our life? And the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then let me show you the next verse. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And look at this. And the spirit of God was hovering over the what? The water. I want you to see this. You can't even get two verses in. In fact, let me quiz you. How far into the Bible are we? I've left a clue. I mean, no, you can't even get, you can't even get, uh, two verses into the Bible without the Holy Spirit. So this whole idea that the Holy Spirit kind of showed up in the New Testament was like, surprise, I'm here, is just not true. I mean, for, I mean, we're three sentences into Scripture. How many know the Holy Spirit is God? He's been God from the beginning. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in one God, eternally existing in three beings, God the Father, God the, Holy, God the uh, Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'll get there. Three in one. How many know we believe in the Trinity? And somebody said, well, describe the Trinity. Explain it to me. And I've heard all the different ways. You got a pretzel with three holes and, and an egg with a, with a, with a yolk and, a, and a, what, egg white and a shell. And, and I don't understand any of that. How many know I just know he's God in three persons, okay? And that means the Holy Spirit is fully God. Quiz, is the Holy Spirit God? Answer? He is God, and, and yet he has come to live on the inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit, from the beginning, mentioned 800 times in the Old Testament. So I'm just driving that home so that none of us think, well, the Holy Spirit's a New Testament thing, or it's just for churches that clap and raise their hands. And it's, I mean, you cannot talk about God without talking about his Holy Spirit. And guess what? You cannot live this life God's called us to live without the power of God's Holy Spirit. 
I mean, I mean, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, you and I cannot be who God's designed us to be without God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit. And so this series, we've kind of said, God, we're open to the more you want to do in our lives. And the Spirit was working over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and these words hit me, and he separated the light from the darkness, and the whole first chapter of Genesis teaches us about God's Holy Spirit and teaches us about our life. In fact, let me teach it this way. This phrase, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. These words really hit me this week because I don't know about you. This feels like our world right now. Come on, empty, formless, <laughs> darkness. How many have found our world is pretty broken right now? You found that, right? How many know there's wars and rumors of wars? How many know you pull in to fill up with gas? Come on, somebody, and it looks like you're paying for your mortgage. And I mean, I mean, how, how many know what? I, in fact, my wife the other day said, "Pick up a gallon of milk," and she, then she texted me what the former price of a gallon of milk was, and I was like, "Well, I don't know what to do because I feel like it's double." You know what I mean? And so, I mean, just all the all the brokenness of our world, all the challenges of our world, and even more seriously, the challenges of our own life, formless. And, empty and darkness, but I want you to see this. The spirit of God was hovering over, over the darkness, and I want you to catch this this weekend. Wherever there's darkness and void, if God's spirit is there, it's not going to be dark, and it's not going to be empty very long because God has a way of stepping into dark and void places and doing what only he can do. How many believe that, right? And the Holy Spirit comes to places, I want you to see this, that are dark and that are void, that need direction, that need guidance, that need hope. They're, they, the Holy Spirit comes to places of chaos and he reorders them and restructures them and brings strength. And so if you're here this weekend and you have dead and dying places of your life, you have disordered and chaotic parts of your life, the Holy Spirit has come to set the disorder in order and has come to set light and shine it into darkness. And that's what he does in the first verses of the Bible. And he's still doing it today. He really is. A couple of days ago, uh, maybe it was yesterday, my daughter said to Katie and I, I'm so stressed, my oldest daughter. I said, why are you stressed? And she said, my room is such a mess. I can't, I can't do anything with it. And so I said, you know what? I'll give you 20 minutes. I'll give you 20 minutes of cleaning to get you de-stressed. Because how many know if you're de-stressed, 17-year-old, I'll be de-stressed, right? And so I said, okay. And she said, all right, let's do it. And so I got Katie and my two boys. I brought a whole family. She's like, what are you doing? I'm bringing in reinforcements. I'm a people mobilizer. Boys, let's go, you know. And we came up and she had this pile of clothes in her room. And I said, you need to get rid of some of this. You don't want to get rid of any of it. She said, I need to hang it all up on hangers. And so we got hangers and I created an assembly line. Me, my son, my wife, my other son. You pick it up. You do it. You do it. I get real I get pumped about this. Let's do it, guys. If we're, if we're organized, I can see. I got a picture of the future. Of the, and, and, and everyone's like, why are you? So, I'm like, I've been, I live for stuff like that. And all of a sudden, in 20 minutes, I'm telling you what was formless and void and darkness over the face of the deep <laughs> came order and life. And I stood there and I said, let there be light. And God sent me here with a message this weekend that your life can't be as messy as my daughter's room. But because of Jesus Christ, the broken and void and formless and dark places of our life can be made alive through Jesus Christ. And his spirit has come to do that. Come on, somebody give thanks to God for that. Right? 
Like that's what he's come to do to take the disordered and the, and the chaotic. And, and wherever you see the Holy Spirit, some people have this idea where the Holy Spirit comes, he brings chaos. Exactly the opposite. Where the Holy Spirit comes, he brings order. And he brings truth and he brings structure and he brings blessing and he brings fruitfulness. And he in fact takes the disorder and makes it order. And then it says the Holy Spirit came and it's an interesting thing in verse 3. He says that he came and he shone light in the darkness. But then these phrases hit me in Genesis 1-3. The Bible says that God separated light from darkness. Meaning he didn't just shine darkness. He, had, he separated light and darkness. And I know this maybe isn't a Mother's Day point. But I just I got to say it because it's in the Bible. How many know we got to say what's in the Bible? So it's going to be a little hard sledding. And then I'll get nice at the end for Mother's Day. Okay? Is that okay? Well, it doesn't matter. So here we go. <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes to places that need light and need truth. In fact, you know, the Holy Spirit cannot be anywhere except that he speaks truth. And I'm convinced we live in a world where people want us to tell us, tell them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. But how many know God gives us the good medicine that brings health to our life? And he speaks truth. And the Bible actually says that God separates light from darkness. And I, I don't know about you. I'm, my heart is heavy on this thought that we live in a world that's commingling light and truth. And in fact, what it feels like they're doing is they're calling darkness light Amen. and light darkness. And there's a mingling, a mushing, a, a, a co collaboration of don't you know this is how. And, and God's word actually speaks very powerful to this. You need to see it. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I'm telling you this. There's a danger that we live in a world where what's light is being called dark. And what's dark is being called light. What's righteous is being called unrighteous. And what's unrighteous is being called righteous. And I'm just telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit must come with a recognition that God is a God of truth. In fact, John tells us this is the work of the Holy Spirit in John 16. But he, but when he, the spirit of truth, that's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. It's part of his name. He has to operate his name, his nature. But when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide us into all truth. He'll not speak of his own. He'll speak only what he hears. So the Holy Spirit has come to speak truth and speak light. The Holy Spirit has not come to, to, uh, to, to just rubber stamp how we feel. He's come to speak truth, okay? Let me just put it this way. Of course, there are verses in the Bible we wish weren't there. <laughs> you ever been reading? For me, it's but the fruit of the Spirit. And I come across this one, patience. And I think, why couldn't it say assertiveness and and, 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 and I want the fruit of the spirit is, mm, mm. let's go. Like I, I want the fruit of the spirit, but it says, how many, how many have at least one verse in your, in the Bible you don't like? Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Come on, right? Like, like be patient, be, have self-control. Come on. I'm in no 10 PM, the, the apple pie in the kitchen. Come on, self-control. Cut that one out of the Bible, right? And, but let me ask something. What would happen if all of us took the verses in the Bible we didn't like and we cut them out? We said, we're just going to pass around the Bible. You cut the ones out you don't like. I'll cut the ones out. I don't like. How many know that's not the way it is? When God's word disagrees with us, we have to change, not God's word, right? And the Bible says the Holy Spirit has come to separate light and darkness and to shine light in darkness. A few years ago, my oldest daughter was watching the kids. We were having dinner with a couple friends. 
not even far from the house, probably two, three miles from the house. And my daughter calls in the middle of dinner and she says, there's, a, there's someone in the house. I, she says, I looked over the banister and I saw a man's hand. I'm locked in the bathroom. I'm so scared right now. I immediate, how many know you immediately get up and you don't even pay for the bill? You're gone. You know, I'll be back. And I jumped in the car with my guy friend and Katie rode with the girl. We just kind of immediately left and I rushed. I got on 288. Come on, I'm moved down the highway. I said, baby, stay on the phone with me. I'm right there. I, are you sure? Someone's, oh, she said, I'm sure. I saw his hand over the balcony on the wall. I saw it. So come on. I pull in my driveway. I, I mean, this probably took me four minutes. I pull in the driveway. I'm, I'm walking through the garage. Come on. He, my friend and I both get a golf club. Come on, somebody. You say you're a pastor. No, not if you break in my house. I'm not. And so I just, man, I got a nine iron. My friend's got a driver. We walk in and we're searching all through the house and she's locked up in the bathroom. You okay? Yeah. We search everywhere in the house. No one's there. There's only one more place to go and it's in the basement. And we go, well, she said, I said, are you sure you saw? I saw, I tell you, dad, I did. Somebody's in here somewhere. I said, well, we've searched everywhere except the basement. And so I kind of look at him and we go, we're going to have to go down there, aren't we? <laughs> so I opened the door and I turned to him and I said, how much do you love your pastor? And, uh. So we just yelled down at the top of the stairs. So here's the deal. If you're in here, I think you should just come out right now. And we could, we, you could, because if we come down there, we're coming. We just, you know. And man, we, we walked down the stairs. And I, I said, if you're joking, if this is a friend of mine joking, I really would identify yourself now. You know what I mean? But there's nothing like getting to the bottom of that stair and flicking that light on. And looking around, and it turns out it was no one. I still don't know what happened. I think she just saw things, you know. But I'm telling you something. In moments of fear and apprehension, there's nothing that brings comfort more than turning lights on in darkness. You say, I'm afraid of what I might see. Yeah, the truth is you might see what's there. But I want you to know in the light, there is healing, life, and forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit has come not to just let us live in the darkness we want to do, but to light, turn the lights on and lead us into the good places he has for us, right? The Holy Spirit has come to, to, to places that are dark and void, to places that need light and order. And let me show you the very third thing. In fact, it's in the last verse of Chapter one, this law first mentioned in Genesis. God finishes all of creation and he says it was very good. How many know the world is a good place, right? Come on, mountains and hills. And come, come on. Uh, good meals. College football. Spring break. Culture, would you, the ocean? Yeah, come on. I mean, all of that. Come on, where are the mountain people? Come on, mountain people, raise your hand. Okay. Okay, uh, where are the people you like to camp in tents? Come on, raise your hand. I don't understand you. Come on. Come on, where are the people you want to be in an ocean and a hotel room? Come on, where are my friends? All right. I feel you. And uh, God creates all the world. He says it's very good, okay? But then he leads them and he blesses on the seventh day, the seventh day, and he actually says it's not a common day, it's a holy day. So it's not, he says there's something different about the seventh day than the previous six days because on it, God rested from all his work he's done in creation. So he declares the seventh day holy and he rests because on it, God sets us a pattern of rest. And listen, God just put this on my heart this weekend 
that one of the things the Holy Spirit has come to do is take a ragged, tired, weary world that's used to spin and spin and spin and push and push and push and and say there ought to be rhythms of rest in our lives, right? You say, well, no, 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 I have to work seven days a week. Well, that's fine. That's what the devil does. So impersonate him, right? And you say, well, how can I get done? I'm actually convinced that you can get more done six days a week with God's help than seven days a week on your own strength. And the Holy Spirit, just write this down, third thing and last thing this weekend. The Holy Spirit comes to places that need rest and refreshing. And here's the deal. Some of you may think, I don't need rest and I don't need refreshing. And what an arrogant statement that is. In fact, the psalmist says, sometimes God makes me lie down. How many know you can lie down in green pastures or you can get made to lie down in green pastures? In fact, God set up this principle. In fact, I was reading history that the French years ago, about 200 years ago, tried to change the work week from one in seven to one in 10. And they are actually doctors and psychologists that have built into the human psyche, the work of the world, that that's too long a week, that, that literally there's something like special about one in seven. How many, know that, how many know sometimes scientists bump into what the Bible said a long time ago, right? And literally, it's this principle. In fact, God not only said one in seven days to rest. God was so serious about it. He said, I'm telling you, you even got to let the land rest every seven years. The, don't, you can't plant tomato, tomatoes every year. Once in seven years, you got to even let the land rest. He says, do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. Meaning, do you know you could actually outwork soil and crop? Meaning everything in life was made to have rhythms of production and rhythms of rest. Rhythms of production and rhythms of rest. And I want to ask you something. If God lets the land take a year of rest, I want to ask you something. Does God care more about the dirt than he does about you? Like if God would actually make the land rest, does he care more about the dirt than he does about you? And we get this pattern, law first mentioned, that for the first six days, God was breathing out and creating. But on the seventh day, God... God rested, he breathed it. And I, I think, man, especially for moms, how many know moms get to rest one day when all your kids are 21 and move out of the house, right? But how many know life is, like, if we're not careful, we work too hard. I actually think we can produce so much, the level of the quality of what we produce goes down. And, and God speaks to us about rest and refreshing I love what one author says, the bow, the bow cannot always be bent without fear of breaking. Meaning you can't always push it without there being a consequence to it. We need rhythms of production and rhythms of rest. How many believe in a good Sunday afternoon nap? <laughs> Preach. I know people who they just they brag they I can I can go on three hours of sleep at night and if that's you, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know if that's biblical. How many know we were made to have rhythms of production and rhythms of rest? I heard a pastor telling a story about leading a tour of the Holy Land and he, as they were passing one of the fields, they saw a flock of sheep out there and he he began to teach his on the tour. They began to teach the people taking that tour about shepherds. He said, shepherds never drive sheep. They just lead sheep. They lead them and they go ahead. They look out for predators and they find the good grass to feed sheep. Shepherds never drive sheep. They just lead sheep. And just as he's telling his whole tour of Israel that, this shepherd comes from behind him and is screaming at the sheep, throwing rocks behind him. 
And he goes, oh my gosh, <laughs> I feel dead. And somebody's like, well, what's that? And he's like, I, I don't know. So he runs over to the shepherd. He says, hey, I got to ask you a question. Like I, I've been taught shepherds don't drive sheep, that they lead sheep. And now I see you kind of throwing the rocks and yelling at the sheep. And so why, why are you doing that? And the man said, I'm not the shepherd, I'm the butcher. That'll preach. You want to know why? Because when you're being led by your shepherd, he's leading you in good pasture. But when it's being driven, that might be a sign that that's not the Lord doing the driving. It's somebody else leading, right? And it's a call. It's a call. In fact, let me show you this verse because it's a little bit strong. I'm tempted to think on a day like today, Mother's Day, amen, pastor, take a little nap. That's good preaching. But I want you to know rest is not a suggestion in scripture. It's a command, okay? So I felt like there's two ways for me to say as your pastor, you need to take a rest. I could say it like this. You know, you you really need to, to rest some. But I'm here to say it this way. Hey, hey, you better rest. Or I'm going to visit you in the hospital, right? And, and let me just show you. In fact, the scripture warns. It says, for thus uh, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance and rest, you'll be saved. I want you to see this. He, com- he, he connects repentance and rest in the same thing that leads to their salvation. He says, here's where your strength is. In quietness and trust is your strength. And then he, then he gives this warning, but you were not willing. Let me tell you what, and I know this sounds strong. Sometimes the reason we don't rest is we're too self-reliant and not God-reliant. But what will happen to my business if I turn my phone off for two hours? I don't know. Somebody else in your business will figure out how to do it. What will, I do if I, what, what will I do if I don't check the news for a few hours? I don't know. How many know the world will still spin and things will still happen without us, right? And what a reminder to us. The Bible warns us in repentance and rest, their salvation in quietness and trust is your strength. But the danger is some of us were not willing. And I want to challenge us this weekend to find a sense of commitment that comes from rest. Back in 1915, Ira Yates owned a dry goods store in Texas. They did about $5,000 worth of business each month. And a county rancher named Thomas Hickox noted the store's modest success and proposed that Yates trade the store for his 16,640-acre river ranch way out in the northern part of the county. A friend who owned the property warned Yates against the trade. He said, even buffalo know better than to cross that area of town. A cow wouldn't fly over it. It's not worth the taxes. But Yates made the trade anyways. And years later, Yates' granddaughter explained that while her grandpa didn't know about beans and groceries, he did know about ranching, and he wanted to get his hands on a large parcel of land. For a very long decade, Ira and his wife Ann made a hard scrabble living off the desolate ranch, and desperate for a way to pay mounting debts, Ira approached the Transcontinental Oil Company in San Angelo about drilling some test wells on the property. Experts had declared that no oil could be found west of the river, but on the off chance of finding something, the company drilled four four wells. On October 28, 1926, Yates became an instant millionaire. One of the wells produced a gusher that sent crude oil hundreds of feet into the air, just like in the movies. 
The first five wells together produced more than 9,000 barrels of crude oil, more than could be stored or moved. Oil production peaked in 1929 when the Yates oil field shipped 41 million barrels. How many know that's a good deal? The worthless ranch produced its one billionth barrel in 1985. One billionth barrel. Today, oil continues to flow from the Yates oil field, one of the largest reserves in the world. But I read these words, it hit me. For more than a decade, Ira and Ann labored to scratch out a meager existence, constantly worried about how they'd pay their bills, all because they had no idea of what lay just under their feet. God says, in an essence, I created you. And what I've put inside of you is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I had this same picture that just like this couple who was standing on top of land, not knowing the deep, powerful potential of what lay right on the, uh, uh, underneath them. I had this picture that there are so many of us living our Christian life that way. Just trying to eke out another day. Oh, I'm just surviving, pastor. I'm just, I'll be okay. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try. You know what this series by your spirit's designed to do? It's to remind us that the supply of strength that God has given us is infinite. And all we have to do is open our eyes to the potential, the possibility, the strength that God the Holy Spirit can do in us, upon us, within us, falling through us. And we can be realized instead of meagerly eking out an existence, just trying to live another day, we're reminded in this series, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by by your spirit, by your power, by your strength. It's by your what? Come on, say it with me. By your what? By your spirit, says the Lord. How many of you want, want all that God has for you? Am I right? Anybody want all that God? And it, here's what God tells his people. The only way you get that is by pausing for moments and resting and refueling. A friend of mine in Bible college, he messed up his car three times because he would fill up his gas tank and he'd forget to take the uh, thing out before he'd drive away. I don't want to ask if you've done that. Three times. So finally one time it caused damage. It's got, and you know what? I asked him, why do you? He said, oh, I'm going to say, I think I, I just had that picture. That's a lot of us. I'm just, I, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I feel like God sent me here this weekend to say, there's rest for your soul. There's green pastures and still waters. There's a God who can restore your strength in repentance and rest. But it's in repentance and rest. It's in one out of seven. It's not in just the principle of Sabbath, but it's in, in believing it and, and committing to it and living according to it that we can find the blessing that comes from God. Here's why the law of Sabbath is important, because it's a declaration that, God, I'm going to choose to pause once in a while and to trust that you can take my downtime and then multiply my uptime. I'm going to trust you with my life, with my finances, with my work, with my family. I'm going to pause once in a while and say, I'm not the ruler of the universe. You're the ruler of the universe. Anybody glad this weekend you don't have to rule the universe? Anybody glad that God, come on, everybody glad that God's on the throne? And what rest declares, rest in rest, in rest and repentance, you'll be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? How many know if we're living stressed, if we're living weighted, if we're living bogged down, that's not the spirit of God 
That's the spirit of this world. And how many would this weekend say, I'll trade that in? Come on, I'll trade. I'll trade that in. I'll trade that in. I'll trade that in. If you bow your heads all over this room, I'm going to pray for us. Right at the end of the prayer, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Jason and the team there. Scott's edition. So, Father, by your spirit, would you shine light in darkness? Would you bring order to disorder? And God, would you let a holy rest? Some of your people, they're amazing in this church, but they, God, we repent when we run too hard, too fast, too long. And we haven't paused to just trust in you and look to you, lean on you. So God, we rest in you. And in repentance and rest, we find our strength. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.